Welcome to the Checking In podcast from the Great Lakes MHTTC, a series discussing topics related to health equity and the destigmatization of substance use disorder and mental illness. Welcome to today's podcast. My name is Isabeles Echevarria. I'm the Ohio State Project Manager for the Great Lakes PDTC, ATTC, and the Four Great Lakes Mental Health Technology Transfer Center. The National Hispanic Heritage Month celebration starts every year from September 15 through October 15. It is the independence anniversary of Latin American countries that include El Salvador, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, Mexico, and Chile. During this month, we recognize the history, tradition, cultural diversity that Hispanic, Latino, and Latinx have made in the U.S. over the years. Today, our guest is Adriana Alejandre. She is a trauma psychotherapist, a speaker, Latina, bilingual therapist um, from Burbank, California. She's also the founder of the podcast Latinx Therapy. Adriana's expertise has been featured in LA Times, Telemundo, US Today, New York Times, among others. Welcome, Adriana. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this talk. Thank you for being here. Could you share where are you from, what you do, and a little bit about your cultural background? Sure, I'll start there. So my mom is from Guatemala and my father is from Mexico. Um, I believe that they immigrated when they were around 18 years old separately and they met here. I've been born and raised in, in Burbank, California, the San Fernando Valley, though I did grow up in Sun Valley, California, which is just five minutes away. So that's a little bit about really my, my cultural background. Um, it's been a process of exploring as well, because my mom is my only Guatemalan relative. Um, she had a small family, um, and I never met her mother. Um, so it's been interesting exploring that side of my lineage. So why is the Hispanic Heritage Month so important when considering mental health for our community? And what do, does it mean to you? I think it's important for a blend of reasons. And I love that you highlighted all of the countries, right, that are included in Hispanic Heritage Month. Because I think although they're all very different and have different histories, politically and, you know, geographically, people-wise as well, backgrounds, I think we also share under mental health common stigmas and taboos that impact us. The main one being, you know, and we'll probably talk about this a little more, but the main one being that we don't air out our dirty laundry. We shouldn't express ourselves, right? We shouldn't talk about our feelings or that depression or things like that. When we're sad, it's all in our heads. So I think that that's been a big common thing. And during Hispanic Heritage Month, when we have the spotlight, we can talk about this a little bit more. There are more platforms that can give voice to these issues the more that people tend to hear about these taboos and stigmas, the more that they'll be motivated to talking about them as well themselves. Adriana, what inspired you to begin working in the mental health field? I stumbled upon the mental health field really by accident. 
And it started off when I was in my undergraduate years at UC Santa Barbara here in California. And I was actually, I got pregnant, I think it was at the end of my first year. And I became a single parent at that time. And, you know, in, in our community, also from a religious background, a Catholic background, that's a big no-no. There was a lot of shame, right? And disappointment in my family, especially being the first one to go to college. And so my family had, a, and myself, we had a really hard time with this. And eventually, you know, when I had my son, I did experience postpartum depression. But one thing we all definitely agreed upon was that I would not quit my studies. And so if you can imagine, you know, a 19 year old, a single mom uh, commuting two hours a week each way to to, you know, start and finish her education, that that was hard. But I didn't mm. know mental health existed until I took an abnormal psychology course. And when I went to office hours because I was failing, the professor suggested I talk to someone at the counseling center. And so it was really at that time that I thought like, oh, like mental health exists. And I think I knew that, but why didn't I apply it to me? Uh, so from there, I switched. I think I was trying to be a communications major and I switched to the psychology major and began exploring career options afterwards. So it seems like before you were referred to services, there was kind of like a topic that wasn't discussed inside family. Yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. many. Yeah. And, and that was traumas. That was anxiety. And, and that was depression, really, which was what I was experiencing all at once. And as a Latina, how has your culture influenced the work that you do? And if you can share with us a professional contribution or achievement in the mental health arena. I think as a Latina, it's definitely influenced everything that I do every single day, really. There's just so much to it, you know, and I think first and foremost, growing up as daughter of immigrants, it's really led me to be grateful, right, to be where I'm at and to get the education. I had my parents support after all, even though it was hard, we, you know, we did it collectively. Um, and so I think that once I got into the field, I was also able to understand and see more complexities of mental health in my community and in my upbringing that led me to therapy. And so, you know, I did know that I couldn't go off into the field, become a therapist if I didn't help myself first. And that was definitely one of the pillars that I stood by. Eventually, you know, getting closer to um, after my my gap year, actually, when I got closer to um, being accepted into my graduate program. And so I think it's been my mental health experience as a Latina that has led me to each career point. I created Latinx therapy because I noticed as a la practicing Latina therapist, trauma therapist, there were not enough providers in 2017. That's when my idea started for it. And I wanted to create a platform, but I was too shy to do YouTube, which was more popular at that time. And I thought, you know, I can do podcasting. I can edit myself. I can, you know, I don't have to be on camera. Mm -hmm. So I, I opted out for that reason. Um, and I was also able to highlight the voices of other Latinos, Latinx folks across the nation, right? Practicing as well so that our community can have more representation. 
Um, it's very difficult for us, you know, in a confidential setting to also share what we're doing, especially for maybe therapists that are also working full time. And many of us also dedicate our time to our families. So the vision for this platform was to consider um, the lifestyles, right, of, of professionals in our community so that they can also be heard because it, I think our voices deserve to be heard also outside of therapy. Thank you for sharing your contributions. I know that in 2021, you launched the nonprofit charity, Alejandra Foundation. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. So yes, legally, I did launch that nonprofit. It was also something that I had envisioned since 2019. After hearing the community and being part of Latinx therapy, and I, I do you know, we know from research and just from practicing ourselves that accessibility is, is such an issue in our community and the reason why many people go untreated. Uh, so the mission of the Alejandra Foundation is to create mental health or to increase mental health equity and create that accessibility. We provide, the hope is to provide eight mm -hmm. sessions at a hundred, paid at a hundred dollars per session to folks that do not have access, but want therapy services. And we're going to fundraise all year long. And it's, it's kind of been at a standstill just because there's been so many moving parts kind of during the pandemic. Uh, mm -hmm. But we hope that within the next couple months, we can at least distribute the $3,000 that we have been able to raise for the community as of today. And also, I know that on your website, you have so many resources. One of them is the pro bono therapist for the UVL, the community in Texas. Yes, yes, we do things like that, where I gather um, pro bono therapists, people with capacity to provide these services at no cost, depending on what's going on in our community nationwide. So during the start of the pandemic, we also had pro bono therapy for farm workers and janitorial workers that needed and, and want, were impacted by COVID. There was a lot of grief going around and people that lost their employment. And so we, um, under the Latinx therapy directory and our network, were able to gather up many clinicians in that way that are being, you know, very generous to offer their, their time and services. So when the Uvalde, Texas um, shooting happened, that was also uh, extremely devastating across the nation. And yeah, we, we did the same thing where we um, did a call to action and many therapists, since the, the community is, is pri primarily Latinx uh, Chicanos out there, I, I believe I was told that there's not only first generations, but second and third generations out there. Uh, we, we got English speaking therapists and Spanish speaking therapists to offer up their services to the, um, not only the first responders, but the families or the families of loved ones. And so, yeah, that's, you know, that PDF lives on the website and we also did that actually for the Las Vegas uh, shooting that happened in 2017. So it's something that we do, you know, depending on what's going on in our communities. I think we can add that link to, to the podcast description. And also, I know that there's so many challenges that the Latino communities or Latinx communities are facing. And you mentioned that finding Spanish-speaking therapists was one of the challenges. In your experience, what are other of the challenges that are affecting 
the mental health of the Latinx communities? There are many. Uh, so I will sum it up to the most common ones that we've been hearing. That is, you know, one of them being also that therapy is for either white people or therapy is for crazy people. Um, and that's unfortunate because I think that leads a lot of people to suffering in silence because vulnerability is not seen as a sign of strength. It's seen as a sign of weakness. Um, and so I think that's something that weighs very heavy in many households of ours and difficult to debunk. Um, there's a saying in Spanish also, and I'll say it in English as well. Um, la, en mis tiempos, la depresión no existía. In my days, depression didn't exist. And you can replace depression with anything as well. Like there's some households that would say autism didn't exist in my days or anxiety, none, you know, things like that. Um, you just have to keep going, you know. And so I think that those challenges become narratives, you know, when it comes to psychotropic medication, if that's something that is needed, right, as part of treatment, that that's going to lead to addiction or to, to suicide. And, you know, that treatment in therapy, if psychotropic medication is going to be required is something that is done collaboratively, not just with the therapist, but with the psychiatrist that is prescribing and um, hopefully, right, your doctor. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of myths and taboos, misconceptions in mental health from various different angles that impact help seeking, whether we get to ask for help or express ourselves. Um, with that, it's that when we express ourselves, we're a burden to others. Being a collectivistic culture, we prioritize the needs of other people versus our own selves, because otherwise we're, we're seen as selfish or we're being selfish. And so um, all of those messages really create internal and external conflict. A hundred percent. I have heard from other Latinos um, about not going to a psychiatrist just because they cannot receive those medications because that's part they see sometimes it as a as a scene so there's like the religion also background sometimes it impacts um help seeking sometimes too yeah yeah and may i add isa that um you know i mentioned that there's a lack of access but there's also lack of representation in many communities still you know we we are very you know, privileged, I would say in California, Texas, Florida, many of like the border states where there is an influx of Hispanic and Latinx therapists, but there are still many states, Ohio, Connecticut, Idaho, you know, um, that don't have representation, language accessibility, right? Someone that speaks their language um, and understands their culture. And so I think, yeah, this, this question is, you know, there's multi layers to it, but I, I needed to add that because it's, it's such an issue even yet across the nation. Sure. And how will you do, we know that there is a shortage of behavioral health workforce. And how will you sell to the new generation of people of color and Latinx to study or to consider becoming a therapist? Yes. So I think first we have to reflect on our own stigmas that we may have in order to learn how to debunk them 
because they are misconceptions and we we can learn more, you know, just the more aware that we are of these stigmas. And then the second thing, you know, is this job is very fulfilling. It's extremely re rewarding because you are someone that is part of another person's journey that's helping them get to a chapter in their lives where they find healing. And there's, there's just, I don't know, so many different kinds of rewards, like intrinsic um, motivation there and emotional rewards. Um, so I think there's also a lot that you can do with this career, you know, such as myself, I got a master's degree, but I'm also in tech, technically doing podcasting and creating the directory and doing speaking engagements across the nations. I run support groups as well. Um, I, I've, I've been offered teaching jobs and to create a book. And I think that there's different avenues as long as you specialize in something, mm -hmm. you know, I, and there's always room to, for more and to grow within the field. So I, I hope that those different options are enticing to the new generation that, you know, has the door wide open and, and all of us waiting for more representation. What is the best piece of advice will you give to health professionals who serve the Latinx communities, but there are not Latinos? Such a great question. I think for providers that are, serving our communities and populations, it is important for us to take it upon ourselves to do the research, to understand and, and find ways. What are some common themes within the culture while also keeping in mind to not stereotype as well, because every single individual has their own lived experiences. So making sure that your psychobiosocial assessment, that you know, that intake assessment is flexible enough so that you're able to learn about different, you know, maybe cultural beliefs, stigmas, uh, spirituality, and religion, so that it encompasses, you know, the full breadth of um, a human's experience um, with what it is that they are seeking help for. And to not be afraid to also let them know that they don't have experience or maybe too much knowledge of the culture and the community, because I think a lot of people in our community are willing to also provide some guidance, but it, again, like it does fall back on the provider to do more of that research um, textbook wise. And also maybe I think TikTok is such a great tool these days because it really gives us a glimpse into other people's worlds and how it is that they express themselves about mental health. So there's a lot that we can still learn from different, you know, mediums. It's just like to take that extra step and learn a little bit more about the diversity inside the diversity because mm -hmm. Latino, there's so much diversity um, inside of our culture. So, Absolutely. Yeah, so thank you for your time, for sharing about your experiences as a Latina, as a therapist. It has been an honor to meet you, Adriana. Do you have any final thoughts for our, our audience? Thank you so much for having me in terms of final thoughts, you know, whether you are a mental health professional or not, it's, it is really important for us to create balance, uh, because in, in our lives, because there is so much that we do, you know, for our families and our community, 
that's energy output. Um, and in the field itself, you know, we are also um, holding a lot of space for other people. So just making sure that we take time to pause and uh, take care of ourselves as well is always important. Okay, thank you, Adriana, for your countless contributions for the ones that we can see, for the other ones that we cannot see. <laughs> um, and we wish the best for you and your plans, and we celebrate you during this National Hispanic Heritage Month. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. The Checking In Podcast is produced by the Great Lakes Mental Health Technology Transfer Center with funding from cooperative agreements with SAMHSA. We encourage you to connect with the Great Lakes ATTC, MHTTC, and PTTC on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube to discover many more free products and resources just like this.